Robin was eager to keep on fighting after his first outing with Batman. Getting justice for his parents was just the start. But with Hugo Strange in jail, this city was getting stranger by the issue. We were worried. It would be the next challenge for this bored socialite with an obsession for back alley justice and his circus trained sidekick. What was next for this gothic city of murderers, spies, and mad scientists? How could it get any darker? Maybe the situation could be lightened up with a little laughter. Alright, this episode, we are dealing with Batman number one, which is the spring issue from 1940. This is the start of it being a quarterly, I'm, I'm imagining? Correct. Okay. Bob Kane, Bill Finger, the whole way through this entire book. Mm. Four stories, all Batman. So there is still some issues of Detective where he is appearing, but now that he's got his own book, for mm. lack of a better term at this point. And it basically is a book. I think I think I counted 63 pages. Okay, so it is the entire length or a similar enough length to actual Detective. I guess so. Because yeah. Detective was 64 pages. Which is a lot of work. But spread out relatively long. And to be honest, I, I actually, we'll get into this as we get in, but I think, I think some of these were actually written previously. I'm not sure about that, but particularly the Monster Men issue, I think may have been initially slotted to go right. in like right before Rob. Right, because that was, that was hinted at after the first uh, Hugo Strange issue, mm-hmm. if, you're, if we're not misremembering. Um, but this first story, everyone's going to recognize the baddie from this one. Uh, before we get to the baddie, we're going to have a, a just-in-case-you-forgot sort of moment. Because you're imagining that not everybody will be getting every comic, you know, they're not readily available. Especially if this was very far in the past, the issue where Batman's origin story was. Yeah, I think that was probably six issues it's our first episode, so that's probably the first six issues that Batman appeared in Detective mm-hmm. Comics. That being said, first book, you should have his origin story. Again, I really do wish films were this quick with the Bat Mythos. I'm sure someone somewhere is going to be like, we should really dig into this. And you know what? I don't think they should. This is as good as I think it's ever going to get because, yes, there's a lot of character going on there. I think you can go into a lot of character with Batman, but it's... My parents got mugged. My dad got shot. My mom got shot. Beads pearls rather i'm crying praying chemistry said barbell sitting in a room there's a bat i'm batman it's two pages it is two pages of which half of the first page is a giant splash that's good again you'll recognize this first villain it's the joker but he looks like he's been living rough he looks like he's drawn like cocaine dandy that particular shot he is yes (laughs) he's Joker looks like he's been having a rough time. And oddly enough, the, the, the issue starts with Joker delivering a threat on a man's life over the radio. That's not really his M.O. It's fascinating because this is not Joker the way we think of him. This is Joker as a Sherlock Holmes villain. This yeah. is Not even like one villain, but like three different murders throughout the issue. And all of them have that same... How did this happen? Oh, wow, this particular plant. He is an actual mastermind right now. And it's genuinely interesting to read some of the ideas that he comes up with to brutally murder people. Joker threatens to kill a guy at a specific time. 
So, of course, the cops, you know, surround the guy, they cordon him off, and they're going, oh, there's no way you can get to him. And at the time specified, he's still alive. But he suddenly dies. And then he has the gross, creepy Joker grin on his face. Important thing to note, though. Throughout this entire issue, the grin is post-mortem. Yes, the grin they, is the grin is never like they die laughing. Yeah, it's they always... never die laughing. This is one of those like a, like a rictus grin that happens. Ugh. Yeah, it's part of rigor mortis. It's creepy. And I'm not a fan of it. Joker later explains that after he he has already also robbed the guy and he leaves the Joker playing card which everyone has actually meticulously recreated very well as a prop. Like that is the Joker card that you see mm. more often than not in both cartoons and and comics and things like it's the same one you don't often see visual iconography stay the same that much over this period of time especially so that's impressive and i kind of like that but just the the way joker is drawn he's creepy looking the first shot of him is of him not smiling he's got his hands steepled uh he's sitting with this big looming chair behind him so it's just in shadow he's in color but he's emphatically not smiling. It's it's almost a uh, Rob Stark kind of look. You know who he looks like to me? He looks like the guy in Beauty and the Beast. Uh, they sell Belle's father to the insane asylum to. Uh, Monsieur Dark. Oh God, Dark. Mr. Dark. I'm, I'm disappointed that it took me 20 seconds to realize that. <laughs> You're the French but... one, too. <laughs> hey, I'm not French. I just speak some French, and I have a bastardized French last name. Okay, there you go. But French is awesome, seriously. So, but what's interesting there is, throughout this story, and also later on when Joker returns, he is not a mirthful guy. We think of the Joker as being the man who laughs, but this is actually much truer to the actual inspiration of the man who laughs, because I don't know enough about this. I literally just Googled it uh, out of curiosity right before we started the man who laughs is a victor hugo novel and it is literally the do you want to know how i got these scars he is a character going through life having the the cheshire grin this is actually very true to that idea and it's worth noting i actually did the numbers uh there are only seven joker grins throughout this issue or at least this particular story uh two of which are on other people so joker is laughing at his own genius that he has poisoned the man the day before with a slow-acting poison that would take 24 hours to uh, take effect. He's also stolen and replaced the jewel with a glass jewel already in the previous night. And again, uh, in the newspaper, Batman and Robin are reading about this. And Robin's like, we should really get in on this. And Batman's like, the time is not yet ripe. And I gotta ask, when is the time ripe in this situation? When he's killed more people? When there are more clues, or more precisely, when it's slightly more dramatic. When there's more bodies. Oh, does this count as a body count? I think the next one does, because Batman purposely does not get involved, and therefore I think if he had, this guy probably wouldn't have died. So, the next next night, the Joker does uh, another menacing, I will kill so-and-so at such time. Same effect happens, the the clock strikes the specified time, the guy dies, but the Joker is in a suit of armor in the room, and also lets out a similar noxious gas. And kills the rest of the cops in the room. He steps out of the suit of armor and steals what he needs to do and is gone. Joker is a very elaborate jewel thief. Yeah. And and specifically jewel thief. Specifically jewel So the next uh, panel or page, rather, is the thugs of Manhattan pissed off that the Joker is muscling in on their action. So they decide to call him out and 
hope that the Joker shows up at this place. This is when Batman gets in. Batman hears through the grapevine, which is said twice in the same panel. Uh, Batman hears through the grapevine that this is that the criminals are calling out the Joker, and he says that he's going to go to this criminal's house and confront him while he's there. So yes, I will count the previous victim as a body count for Batman in the question mark column, purely because it's ambiguous and he should have stopped it, but it's not really directly related. But Batman, that's a bad one on you. Batman shows up at this place. It's where the, the criminal mastermind is who has called out the Joker. He shows up. The Joker is there going to kill this man. Batman comes in. And it's a weird fight where these criminals just get wrecked by the two of these guys who are not really there to do that, but they are there to kind of do different things, cross objectives. Batman wrecks these guys. Joker shoots the villain that he was there to get. Batman chases after him. Joker's driving a nice, similarly red car to Batman's old Batmobile. And this is what I found weird. Batman and the Joker get in a tussle. Joker wins. Yeah. Joker, out and out, beats up Batman. Thinks that he's killed him because he knocks him into a, over off of a bridge. Batman climbs up out of the water after being knocked off the bridge. Goes home and is like huffing because he got beat. Robin's like, yeah, you should have had backup. But <laughs> whatever. They're, they're waiting for another person who has been threatened to, to be uh, attacked by the Joker. But the police chief is there. It's a judge. The judge is under protection by the police chief. The police chief says, hey, let's play some cards. Take your mind off of it. As they're playing, the Joker reveals that he's the police chief in a and weird And this moment. is the panel. This is the panel that sort of locks it in for me. It's seeing somebody who is emphatically not the Joker do the Joker grin and be under control. Like, that moment of reveal, I'm actually the Joker grin. It's just disturbing. And what I found interesting was, was a judge would know what the police chief looks like. No. But... And is the Joker that good of a, of a disguise artist? He he can outfight Batman. He's proven that he is dedicated to his craft. He can outthink Batman to a pretty good degree. Like, think about when has any of Batman's uh, schemes ever been as crazy and interesting and complex as hiding in a suit of armor to kill a guy? I, I give is Joker, the Joker the credits. Is the Joker cooler than Batman? Right now? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. So the Joker kills the judge with his poison again. I want to rewind for a minute. I just imagined the Joker with sunglasses. Just, I'm too cool. Well, Joker may very well be too cool because Robin has been staking out the judge's house under Batman's orders. Follows the Joker after he leaves. He, he was, he's been given orders to follow anybody who leaves the house. Robin follows him to this gross, woodsy cabin, which of course is a trap. Goes in, gets knocked out by the Joker still dressed as the police chief, and that's kind of the last we see of them until Batman shows up on the scene going, huh, Robin's not here, something must have gone down. Let me pull out my infrared flashlight and look at the footprints that Robin has left because I put a glow-in-the-dark solution on the bottom of his shoes. And so he's using an infrared flashlight to follow Robin's... I don't think that's how science works. Because infrared is a lower form of energy than visible energy. Visibly, I don't think he'd be able to see the beam. Well, he certainly wouldn't be able to... Like, the beam itself wouldn't necessarily... Unless, I guess if you had, uh, like, a red lamp that emits a lot of infrared as well... uh, Science. Yeah. Yeah. This goes into the territory of those night vision goggles that I had talked about in the previous episode. 
wherein this was a technology that was kind of being worked out. So it seems mm-hmm. Batman has a more advanced version of what they believed the technology would be able to do. That, which is, that's a good way of putting which it. Which is fine. Because that's what Batman usually has is a mm-hmm. sci-fi by one level version of things that we have in normal life. Mm-hmm. So Batman follows these footprints. Thank God Robin ran the whole way. And finds Robin tied up by the Joker. They get into another tussle. The Joker knocks over a chemical table that happens to be in this room and there's a big slew of gas. Batman is relatively unable to get out of the gas, but the Joker's able to get away. He's, you know, Batman's coughing and choking, but he's got to save Robin, so he saves Robin instead of going after the Joker. Maybe the first instance we see of Batman saving someone rather than going after the villain. That may be true, yeah. Yeah. Or more precisely, (laughs) it might be the first time we've seen him put into that decision. Right. So... What are we going to do? Well, the Joker's obviously going to go for the Cleopatra necklace, which I guess that they both know about, and they're like, it's clearly the most, the last rich, fancy piece of jewelry in the town. To be fair, rich people have been getting robbed a lot this past year. Robbed and murdered. Yeah. A lot for for very fancy items. Batman and Robin make haste to this museum or location where this thing is being held. The Joker's like, I have a gun, and tries to shoot, but realizes he's out of bullets. (laughs) Well, eventually, but first he's... Empty. No, first he's actually shooting a number of times. Let the record show that if you are charging someone while wearing a bulletproof vest and you get shot at least twice, you're not going to You better hope they don't shoot you in the same place. Even aside from that, like, you're going to get knocked on the ground. Batman is a tank. Very he true. just runs straight through yeah. the bullets. He's he's not being slowed. So yeah, it, it is stated that Batman has a bulletproof vest and Joker is shooting it. Which I guess he's learned because of Jabba and Mikhail. He probably needs some sort of protection on himself. Yeah. Because those guys shot at him a lot. Yeah, and specifically <laughs> they hit him in the shoulder. I remember right. the shoulder wound, which a bulletproof vest would have actually May possibly with. have had, yeah. you know, depending on which version of a vest that you've got. But mm. that's going to make Batman a lot heavier. Batman and... The Joker are still fighting and fighting and fighting, but Robin gets a good kick in that sort of stabilizes the Joker and makes him fall on a gargoyle, and Batman has to, you know, lift him up back onto the roof, and he just gives him one good sock, and he's out. Uh, Batman captures the Joker is the headline of the newspaper from the Daily Star. Robin and uh, Batman are discussing this latest adventure, but we see a very typical... Uh, I will return panel of the Joker in jail. Like they haven't let him, they haven't taken him out of his outfit. They just <laughs> put Joker in a cell in what he was wearing with all of his makeup on and green hair and the purple suit and the purple Let's suit. Call out the the visual look of the Joker does yeah, not, has not change changed. too much. That's so. That's the end of the first story in the Batman one comic, which is a Joker story, which is kind of cool because we get to see the classic Batman arch nemesis be introduced very early in the Batman mythos which again when we get into Superman Lex Luthor Brainiac none of those guys show up not even Luthor no none of those guys are present Batman gets his rogues gallery within a year it's it's just an interesting statement on either the writing quality or the idea factory that the writers were Um, probably a lot of the latter right or just what they decided early on these two characters should be dealing with one other thing that I want to call out that I found really interesting, this is, we talked a little bit about how slow Batman was to respond, but even more than that, if you look at the first couple pages, there is no appearance of Batman. It is 
very much a like a CSI style. Hey, a, a cold open, a crime gets committed, and then only later, like three minutes into the show, do the detectives show up. It's like okay. What happened? That's Let's interesting. That is that is very much a procedural television show uh, setup. They give formula. the villain time to breathe. Weird. Mm-hmm. Weird. And if you look at how many cops die and people, that's a lot of funerals and a very large mass police funeral. I guess I hadn't thought of that. That Batman is now responsible for the death of a lot of people for not getting involved after. Be- it's it's because well, 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 here's the thing: he's aware that this happened. It's not like he's unaware of two going two separate instances and then they're made aware of them. Especially since the Joker announces he's going to do it. Had the Joker not done it, he would have read, "Wow, this is a big, this is crazy. That's that's nuts how that happened. I'm I'm flabbergasted. Happens again. Okay, now I got to look into it." Because when well, you imagine someone makes an ultimatum on the radio that he's going to do it and they're going to do it again, you but, think that that's a thing to take action for? At least for the first time. He could believe the the cops have it under control. Right. Like he's good. He was probably hanging out with his older man friend, uh, <laughs> older <Commissioner>, gentleman friend, <laughs> older gentleman friend, uh, <laughs> Commissioner Gordon. And like, okay, they've got yeah, it under control. I'll, I'll let the first one slide, no mm. problem. But second the second one, one is problematic. If the, if the first one is successful, and then a second ultimatum is delivered, yes, you should have mm. done something because now clearly the police, in their capacity, with the same information you had, could not handle it. Yeah. Why would you imagine they could do it a second time? But from a storytelling perspective, it's interesting that now we're really seeing the villains get time to be the star. Right. And that's good because the next story is a, re- a rewind or remix story of Batman and the uh, Monster Men, Hugo Strange's Monster Men. So in episode two, we mentioned at the end, at the uh, issue before Robin appears. In the Hugo Strange issue, where he's put away in jail, there is a kind of teaser where Hugo Strange will return in the Monster Men. I don't even think it mentions Hugo Strange necessarily. It may it may not, but there is a teaser at the end of the Hugo Strange issue that shows this character that is now on the top of the splash in this uh, issue or story. And instead of getting this story, we get the Robin story. And then we get this story in the magazine that is clearly a different timeline because Robin is nowhere in this story. Yep. And I'm wondering what the decision was to do that because this would have this doesn't deter from Robin. It almost makes me feel like it would serve better to have had Robin in Batman number one as opposed to having him in Detective Comics be introduced. Because then you could have the Batman storyline, then the Joker, then the Catwoman, then the Joker again. It, it wasn't uncommon for them to have two issues with the same villain and detectives. Because you have Dr. Death and then the Master Monk. It would be doable, but my guess is that they made the decision to start putting out Batman number one as a result of the sales of the last issue of Detective Comics where Robin was introduced. My guess is that that was a big, let's see how this does. Oh, yeah. Yes, okay. This is now, we now greenlight it. And that's understandable and I could I could imagine that. It just it's interesting to see again we have an out of order pairing. Yeah. Much like the Duke Dorter story is out of order with the rest of the Paris trilogy that, mm-hmm. you know, Gardner Fox wrote. This is now out of order with the Hugo Strange stories. And the front is this giant man who looks like Solomon Grundy wearing the Joker's clothing. He really does. And it's kind of funny cuz for those of you who don't know Solomon Grundy is a giant zombie from the DC Universe, who is just is like pale white the Hulk. 
in clothes. This guy is dressed in like the Joker's outfit with a green jacket, a or rather a green shirt under a purple jacket with a big green type of hat, and <laughs> it's it's a hat. And the whole first page is that image of Batman staring at this giant man who's looming over the city, and then at the bottom we see Hugo Strange breaking out of jail. Specifically, uh, he's in, he's imprisoned, and then he also gets people out of the Metropolis Insane Asylum. It is specifically called the Metropolis Insane Asylum. So I'm we're gonna have to make a note of that and come back to that later because this is what spring 1940. We have to check in the Superman volume when Metropolis is introduced. It can't have been yet. This has to be still them saying in a metropolis it that has to be all it is. i i would posit that it is the metropolis because the newspaper that dr death and batman are calling and leaving each other messages through i think is superman's newspaper what what yes no what <laughs> yes so it's i think that actually may be the first instance of cross brand mentioning it, it's the okay, daily so it's it's, the daily star. so the daily star in this one but in the mm-hmm. doctor death one it's the daily globe i have difficulty imagining this but maybe okay which hey superman's also in new york wait yes really? superman's also in new york in his comics okay okay then that all right so it's I'll entirely buy. possible that batman's in new york but metropolis is somewhere nearby or batman is at this point in metropolis they just haven't made the distinction because at this mm-hmm. if i'm not mistaken they don't mention any specific landmarks other than the scarlet horde issue where they say specifically manhattan the, to be fair there's very clearly an empire state building there is at the end of this issue correct yeah so it may still be new york this is kind of a Times square ish sort of image in the very beginning we're gonna put this up on the website so you guys can see what we're talking about but regardless batman is now uh, become aware that hugo strange has broken out of jail purely because he's hearing about it on the radio hey i think that's cocaine dandy Cocaine Dandy there and potentially there. Right. Uh, we have, So apparently Cocaine Dandy put on a beard for one of these. But Batman uh, is hearing about these monster men on the radio. And it's this giant guy from the splash page. He's causing general mayhem. He picks up a car. He gets shot. Because apparently he's also wearing bulletproof clothing. They explained that at first I thought these guys had been modified so that they could actually be so strong as to not be hurt by bullets. But no, they are wearing bulletproof clothing. He's lifting up police officers, he's chucking them around, he pulls out a light, uh, light post and starts bashing people with it. Then he gets into a truck and he drives off. Specifically, he gets into the back of a giant moving truck and is driven off by somebody else. So, that's the end of that. Also, the panels sometime, I think in the last episode we didn't mention this, the panels are getting numbered at the bottom, so you know the correct order in which to read them. Just an interesting stylistic choice. Maybe people were having trouble and they decided we're going to start numbering things just so that everyone knows what's going on. People aren't fluent in comics yet. Right. The next night, Batman decides, okay, I gotta put a stop to this. He hears about it happening again. Um, The guy is pulling, uh, uh, a monster man is pulling the uh, beam off of a overhead subway or railway thing so that the train falls off. Batman shows up in the Batplane, which looks even more like a bat. That's not cool at all. It has no propellers on it anymore. I I am unhappy with that. It is it's, just a giant... Oh, they don't even have the rotor anymore. There is no rotor on the front, or if there is, we can't see it. I'm not sure. Let, let's flip ahead and take a look. Because there are mentions of it. Yeah, there's no... Uh, there's, maybe, I guess, that's could, that's what 
that looks like an in-flight. Like right at the tip of the bat head nose. But it's like got seriously, a, there's a bat head it's got a bat at the front head of the plane. And I'm uncomfortable with how bat-like that looks. It isn't cool. And Batman has a serious machine gun in front of the cockpit of the bat plane. I think I did my uh, my of course important research. That is a Browning M1917 machine gun or a very similar model of machine gun that's a trench gun machine gun that is a machine gun that would have at least two operators on Mm -hmm. at minimum one guy to feed it in another guy to operate it probably have sandbags around and it's a mounted one so you'd have to sit it down and then use it he has some serious firepower on the bat plane now he is looking to, to mess some dudes up batman follows the monster man after he causes his havoc he allows havoc to ensue that's another reprehensible moment of Batman to allow things to happen for the sake of being able to follow a guy back to his lair. Yeah. Yeah, alright. So that's not okay. No, we don't see anyone die. So... But we do gonna... see via, when he's taking down... Oh my when god, he's tearing dude, down the there hill, is a there's train. a train. There is a train there. Oh my god, Batman may have just allowed more people to die. So here's the question, though. Could he have done anything? Of course he could have because he's Batman. He could have. He also had that machine gun on his plane. He could have shot at the guy. I don't know much many bulletproof vests that allow for heavy machine gun caliber rounds to not pass through them. Uh, no, because uh, <clears throat> there actually is a point later on where the bat plane's machine guns are used against one of the quote-unquote monster men, and it does not work. Okay. Well, still, invariably, I think that Batman... This is in the question mark column. This is another question this, mark. But this is a train full of people in the question mark column. Right, so we're going to put... From the last issue, the questionable allowance of another man's death after the Joker did that, and then this train full of people. We're going to Gimli it. That only counts as one. Much like the Zeppelin, that only counts as one. We can't speculate how many people are on the train. Yes, we can. We don't know what time of night it is. We don't know how where the train is going to. I mean, have you been on Caltrain coming back at like 11 o'clock at night going to certain locations? Those, yeah, those cars can get yeah, pretty empty. All right. So... I'm not going to say that there's a lot of people on this train because I don't know what city this is, where it's going, and what time of night it is. But I will speculate that there is at least people on it, and if not, just a conductor. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to make it an extra loud ding. <laughs> an ominous ding, perhaps? Ooh, if you can find, like, like send not for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for Batman. <laughs> it tolls for Batman. It tolls for ambiguous body counts. <laughs> um, so... Batman has followed this monster man back to what he appears, or what he assumes is the lair. Gets into this barn thing on a cliff, I guess. It looks like a regular house with a garage. Gets in, is grabbed immediately by two monster men. There are several more in there, and Doctor Strange is there, going, Hey, look, great, we caught Batman. Here's my whip again. Please don't, please don't go back to using that, Hugo. I'm really not okay with you, with a whip in general. I don't like it. He has a thing for whips. He's got a thing. Strange has perhaps a fetish. And again, we see just how jacked Strange is. Strange is also the goofiest looking character I think we've seen. Next to the Joker, who has a very distinct looking face, he's still Mm -hmm. human looking. Strange has a weird head. Yeah. He is designed to look misshapen. He stands in... Hunched? Yeah. Almost, yeah, he's he's much like Dr. Death and Duke Dorterra, where they have some sort of physical thing that makes them be evil. Mm-hmm. So, Strange, like a villain, monologues. Explains that he's using these monsters to cause mayhem so that he can, you know, commit crimes across the city while, these, while the cops are dealing with the monster men. And he also explains that these are the people he 
took from the lunatic asylum. So we're going to uncode lunatic asylum to mean the mentally ill. The only point where we see the patients before they are turned into these quote-unquote monster men, uh, they are written like uh, Lenny in Of Mice and Men. And I'm, I don't have enough understanding of... Uh, neuroatypical behaviors to try to diagnose it but it's very clear these are not people who are necessarily dangerously uh nor dangerous to others in their this was not their mental handicap this was this was not arkham this was just a regular for lack of a better term mental institution where people are being held because they Mm -hmm. are either not capable of taking care of themselves or would perhaps be more dangerous if they were left to their own devices these are not the criminally insane these are just people with a large handicap. Yeah. Uh, I My assumption is that they are probably what we would now diagnose as Down Syndrome or Asperger's or autistic. High functioning. Uh, regardless, one way or another... Regardless, this is not okay that Hugo Strange has essentially taken the mentally ill, experimented on them, and is now using them as superpowered thugs. And it gets worse. It does get worse. And this is a very uh, episode or yeah. issue. Oh, we did it. Oh, we were so good and I screwed it up. Damn it. Damn it. Ah. Batman is is held by these monster men and Strange injects him with the serum that he has used to do this. And he says, in several hours, you will now turn into one of my monster men and I'll use you. Batman is knocked out, thrown in a room. And uh, he's left there. Strange says, all right, everybody, with his whip still. It looks like a fishing rod. He looks like he has a fishing rod. Or perhaps one of those whips that one would use as a carriage driver because it doesn't necessarily reach the horses all the way in the front. Or used for animals, and I really don't like the idea that he's using that on the Monster Man. To be fair, he was using it on Batman earlier. Because he would rather whip him than kill him. Yeah. What? What? There's there's a lot going on here. Hugo Strange is a weird dude. Yeah. But we're not okay with it. Yep. Uh, He's almost worse than the Joker. I would say he is definitively worse than the Joker. We don't know if he's killed anybody, though. That's the thing. We have not seen Strange actively kill people. No, he has definitively taken five lives. The five patients. Okay, yeah, if you, consider but, it, if you consider it that way, I was thinking more that he kills in general. I, we mm-hmm. also don't know how many people he may have killed on the breakout from prison, so yeah, okay, there, there's a lot definitively, of Definitively, yes, Hugo Strange is now actually worse than the Joker as a villain. Hooray. That is weird. <laughs> Batman is in captivity, and he realizes that he's got to get the hell out of here because he's got to cure himself. So he reaches in his heels and pulls out chemicals that, when combined, create an explosive. Binary explosives. So, yes. I, w- I think we talked about this for a little bit after we said that, and I was going, wow, okay, does Batman just always have to worry about walking places because he could set that crap off? But I'm pretty sure that that's not really what the case is. More Click so, your heels three times, and you're going to go it's back It's more so, I think, the gum from Mission Impossible 1, where it's like you read, like... You've never seen the first Mission Impossible movie with uh, the... I haven't seen any of them. Oh, wow, okay. Those are movies that you would probably enjoy. But uh, there's gum that... Uh, Tom Cruise has that he's told that if he squeezes the red and the green side together it creates a chemical reaction that would then make an explosive you have three seconds before it does it I'm assuming in the heels he has some gear that or chemicals that he can you know move together and create an explosive I'm assuming that's the type of explosive that he's got it's just a very basic chemical that causes a combustive reaction so he breaks out Strange is like oh crap Batman punches him off of a cliff and that's kind of like believed to be the end of Hugo Strange, but Batman definitely goes, is that the end of him? So we're not even going to do a body count because we yeah. know we know it's not. Yeah. We've, we've learned at this point that if you don't see a body, much like Dr. Death, he's probably not dead. So mm-hmm. 
Moving on, Batman now has to contend with the monster men that are in the room. He starts messing around with them. He's having an okay time with them, but he gets the two he gets the two monster men to fight each other because apparently, as well as being big, they are stupid, which is also mean. And so he gets the two of them to fight each other. That he has time to craft himself a cure for the formula, inject himself with it. Then when he turns around, both monster men are dead. They have killed each other. That's two body count for Batman. Batman essentially allowed two mentally ill victims to kill each other so that he could save himself. And even aside from that, as we're going to see later on, there is no intent from Batman to try to reverse these the people. changes. Or, tr- just... or, or see if the change would be reversed if he injects it to them post-mortem. So Batman hops back in the bat plane, which I guess never stopped flying overhead. Uh, uh, um... um... Flipping back through, like, no, maybe he parked it. Okay. Maybe he parked just it. As a, just as an aside, Hugo Strange didn't notice the giant bat thing somewhere near his property that he's been doing this with. He, he no parked one, it in some bushes. Because you know he saw it because they specifically captured Batman. So you know that they probably lured him on purpose, saw him land, and said, okay, everybody get ready, here he comes. They probably knew where that was. They didn't think to destroy it unless Strange was going to repurpose it. To be fair... It's an awesome plane. It is a very well it has crea- a machine gun. Right, it has a machine gun now, which Batman is now using to stop the truck that is carrying a Monster Man. You see the two drivers arguing about what to do and how to drive faster, etc. Batman comes down on them. And I love this panel. Much as I hate to take a human life, I'm afraid this time it's necessary. Batman, you've been killing people left and right throughout your entire series so far. Not really indiscriminately, but very much you've been killing people and you've never seemed to have a problem with it before. Why now are you saying that? And also, why would you say that when you're using a military-grade trench machine gun to stop a truck which very much crashes into a tree, probably killing both of those drivers, because we never see them again, so I'm going to say that's two more for Batman. But we don't see a little, ah, We don't, but then again, those bullets could have gone through the cab and killed both of them. So I'm I'm fine putting it up as a double ding. However, even though we don't see the two men get killed, we do see the Monster Man come out of the back of the truck Batman, I guess, has a noose rope coming from the bat plane. He's very good with it because he hooks the monster man by the neck with it and f- proceeds to just fly with him hanging like that. Batman he, hangs he, him. He lynches him. Let, let's well, be clear. Lynching, lynching, I think, implies a mob and doing it on a tree. This is hanging. Right. He just hangs him because one would not say putting someone to a hangman's noose and hanging him in a square is not lynching. That's fair. Okay. So he hangs him. Yeah. Batman hangs someone who is mentally handicapped, who... Being used, being manipulated, and also having been experimented on. Probably not in his right mind. With the very clear implication that had Batman not managed to stop the serum, he would have been just as... Just as unintelligent, just as uh, bloodthirsty, all of those things. The implication is that... (sighs) This is a fate worse than death, apparently. Yeah. And and bringing this more to a legal sense, the justice system probably would have put them back in, a, in an asylum or at least some facility where they could have been maintained because they would have agreed that these men were not in full control of their own faculties. Or at the very least, some if they agreed with Batman's logic, which is questionable, hanging is not a good way to go. No. Especially, this is not a break the neck This hanging. is a case for that gigantic bell jar from the first episode. Uh, holy crap also that's a big guinea pig okay so (laughs) so we've got three things that come out of this particular set of panels the first is 
I'm this a terrible is not a, person. <laughs> no, 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 no. The first is this is not an instance of how to treat people with mental handicaps no. well. The second is holy crap, Beljar. The third is the line that he says. I've roped steers before, but you're much more deadly. Bro. And this <laughs> Bro. This I just rolled with. Has he? Has he really? Because now I'm imagining <laughs> Bruce Wayne, cowboy millionaire of the Midwest, inspired In to, inspired <laughs> to fight rustlers everywhere when one shot his dad and ma for her pearl handled revolvers. Now rustlers all across the prairie know to fear the stallion man. <laughs> I'm sure there's ravens, crows, any anything other than I'm going to be stallion, man. Yeah. Yeah, when you say that and put your hands on your hips, that sends a very different message. Of course it does. Much like hanging out with your young man, gentleman friend, or your older gentleman friend. As opposed to some guy that I just hang out with, or my buddy. Literally any name but old man, gentleman friend. So, Batman... Batman hangs a monster man, lets him kind of go over a field, and goes back into the city, finds the other Hugo Strange truck. Might we mention that the Hugo Strange trucks are all really violently purple, so it's pretty easy for Batman to follow them. Batman follows him, crashes the other truck, we're going to do another two question marks for those drivers, and the monster man gets out, and he King Kongs him. And I say that term, and you guys laugh, like, oh, you get the impression that he climbs up a building... And Batman shoots at him with the plane. But he definitely almost climbs up what looks very much like the Empire State Building until Batman throws gas pellets from the Bat plane. So as he flies by, he just kind of nonchalantly chucks gas pellets. The guy starts to choke and does the King Kong arg fists to the sky and falls off the tower. I actually did some looking around. So King Kong, one of the reasons it makes sense is he's gigantic and climbs super fast as a result. The monster men, quote-unquote, are maybe 12 feet tall? Taller than 10. Around 10 to 15 feet Bigger tall. than the Sasquatch. Oh, you're right. Yeah, they're bigger than the yeah. Sasquatch. So they're big, but not necessarily that expert of climbers. So I looked around and I said, okay, let's assume that those two things cancel out and they climb just as fast as the fastest climbers, like the people who do speed climbing. And, okay, climbing up the side of a building, probably equivalent to El Capitan uh, climbing up the nose. Going by comparable amounts of speed, Batman's flying around watching him climb for an hour to reach the top of the Empire State <laughs> Building. Like, maybe he's waiting... Good, yes, good, good. Maybe, maybe he's waiting until the Monster Man reaches the top of the building, where he's, like, on top, and you can actually fire without necessarily expecting to hit something behind... But you're still shooting... One would hope. One, one would hope. hope that Batman has enough foresight to not fire at him while he's climbing past windows that probably have people working in them. One would hope. So, the next issue, or story rather, in this issue... We're going to get it eventually, folks, I promise. <laughs> is a high society masquerade party on a... I want to say yacht, but it's too big for a yacht. So it's a... It's a I want to say almost a cruise ship. But... It's a, large, it's a large ship with one giant smokestack on it. So it's big. You know it's big if there's a smokestack. And Robin, we see, is undercover already in the midst of a caper. 
And I guess there is a very, very fancy necklace that's going to be on this party. And Batman and Robin are talking about somebody's going to go probably try and steal that. The moral of the, of all of the Batman stories is don't own fancy jewelry. Don't own fancy jewelry. Also, clearly Batman has learned his lesson that perhaps I should jump at a chance to solve something before the Joker kills people again. <laughs> so he's now jumping at any chance that there could possibly be danger. Maybe it could. So uh, presumably Batman's also doing this for every time somebody who has fancy stuff is having a party and nothing happens and he's like man this is boring or maybe that's just his excuse to get into every party oh possible. my god bruce bruce wayne's that guy he's like robin i need you to go undercover as a server at this giant party that i'm going to be at because i'm going to be as bruce wayne scoping this place out to make sure there's no crazy craziness afoot you're just going to get drunk again aren't you i'm going to get really drunk again <laughs> no 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 he stays sober for the first hour because drinking ginger ale and yeah, ice like yeah. Villains are going to strike either at midnight or before midnight. Correct. They just that leaves two hours afterwards to get crunk. To get super plastered and then have Robin drive him home. Because there's no Alfred still. Robin, <laughs> he's, Robin will give you keys to the Batmobile. And Robin's like, I hate this job. I hate this job. I want to go back to the circus. <laughs> at least the clowns were funny then. So... Robin is undercover watching the woman who was hosting the party speaking to a very various amounts of guests, trying to scope them out, make sure everybody's on the up and up, and sees her nephew Denny speaking to her with a very elderly woman as a companion. Weird. Um, but he in- introduces his elderly woman companion to his aunt, who is also an elderly woman. I'm assuming he's just going, hey, my aunt's lonely. She doesn't have any friends. Yeah, Perhaps here's yeah. another elderly woman that she can find companionship in. Great. You, my, guys, can my have, old you woman, guys can have a play date. Your old lady friend. <laughs> We're just gonna, everyone's going to have really uncomfortably named companions. Yeah. <laughs> here's your high society old lady friend, and your old gentleman friend, and my young gentleman friend, and my young low society young lady friend, or possibly high society young lady friend. I don't know what society they're from. But regardless, Robin keeps going. And sees that the woman who is having the party is also having an argument with her brother, who seems to have all these get-rich-quick schemes, and she won't fund any more of his boondoggles. So Robin's thinking, all right, if I heard right from the other server that Denny likes to waste all of his grandmother or aunt's money, and this guy is a poor manager of money himself, I think there's a couple suspects on here that I can watch effectively. Robin sees Denny throw some sort of note really terribly into the sea because the note blows back onto the deck so that Robin can get it. And Denny doesn't notice. <laughs> and Denny doesn't know. Denny's an idiot. Robin reads it and the notes is from the cat. Bum, bum, bum. And it says, keep your aunt away from room. We'll be there. So Robin's like, all right, I know what's up. I gotta go to the room. But unfortunately, when he gets to the room, the woman is already coming out saying, oh my God, I've been robbed. And is far <clears throat> more upset over being robbed than the presumably dead private detective that was guarding it she is a couple steps away all she is talking about is the money and there's a guy sprawled out dead on the floor and we're not going to count that one against robin because no 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 robin there we're going to count that one against society and elitism okay i'm i'm willing to get like like the ding of like on a crystal a fancy uh, ding yeah 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 like (laughs) maybe not just a champagne glass but like a crystal very nice one so, yes, everyone's gathered around the presumably dead private detective. The woman is crying into Denny going, oh, my God, I can't believe I got robbed. Yeah, weird thing is, you're at the middle of the ocean. Someone's got to have it on the boat, right? It's like, a closed room mystery. Yeah. So the Coast Guard shows up while everyone is arguing about what, you know, how terrible this is and, oh, my gosh. And they're like, hey, 
we're we're gonna come aboard and everyone goes oh good the coast guard they'll solve the mystery and then <laughs> it is revealed that the coast guard is actually mobsters none of which are dressed like coast guard men they're all dressed like mobsters they get on the boat and they're like we're here for the necklace and they're like it's already gone and the guy like the mobsters are like really man i really like the idea that every batman villain is like two steps ahead of the regular mobsters and the mobsters are just getting shafted by because all the Batman villains are taking all the crap from everyone else. They're like, this is getting really hard to be a criminal, you guys. So I could go back to teaching night school. Right. Maybe this is why they become supervillain minions because it pays more to be a supervillain minion because they're clearly better criminals. Alright. Also, I think this may be the first time that we've seen any anyone armed with anything but a standard pistol. Right. So these guys have Tommy guns. Oh my god, cocaine dandy. Or remarkably weird-faced man monster. His his cousin. The mobsters essentially go, well, if we can't take the stupid necklace, we'll just rob everyone else instead. Which I would think almost is the same amount of money as this necklace is because we don't know what kind of necklace it is. So Mm -hmm. robbing all these high society types is probably going to net you just about the same. So they're probably going to come out even on this whole venture. Robin says, oh, no, you don't. Starts fighting in his little busboy outfit and gets some good, you know, socks and kicks in. But is outmatched because these guys have automatic weapons and pistols. He jumps into the ocean. Underwater, he changes into the Robin garb. That's impressive. That's impressive. Puts the cape on and everything. Swims to the surface. The mobsters are getting away. And Batman shows up in his own boat and gets on the boat with the mobsters and starts to clean house. Robin and him tie them up. And then Batman has a really weird fourth wall breaky moment. Oh, it's bizarre. For two pages. All right, guys. I'm going to show the kids of America how yellow you rats are without your guns. I'm going to let Robin here take four of you on all at the same time. Batman purposely addresses the readers for a way to show that criminals are not scary when they're not armed because a presumably 11 to 12 year old boy can beat them up, even though this boy has been trained by Batman. And what follows is two pages of just Robin beating the crap out of mobsters. For an education lesson? Like, I understand the intent. What they're trying to say is don't idolize uh, criminals. Uh, Stand up against injustice. But really what the message I get out of it is if you see a bad guy, try to punch him. Yeah, if you see a mobster and he doesn't have a gun on him, you could just totally take him. That's what I get out of this. And I'm like, that's there's a better way of doing this. And it makes a degree of sense that there's this America yeah. moment. Because this is coming out spring of 1940, so April. So we're not quite into the Battle of France yet, but we're not far from it. Yeah, we're not far from a lot of World War II stuff that is going to be very, very, very big. Mm-hmm. And at home, mobsters are probably ruling the roost. Uh, that hasn't changed yet. That's true. Yeah. I would imagine so. But, so yeah. but one way or another, we're still on the tail end of... Hey, Prohibition era, 1930s Boardwalk Empire level yeah. mobsters. There, that, there's know, a lot Scarface of money in and that. things like that, or I would say, a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Capone and whatnot is going on. Scarface yeah. is a nickname for Capone, by the way, if I'm not mistaken. So that is not Tony Montana. Oh. I'm pretty well versed on my old timey mobsters. Batman has a moment then when after Robin has effectively beat these guys up so badly that they're like, "Please do not let me get back into the ring with this small child. I'm afraid." That's scary. Batman says, well, kids, there, there's your proof. Crooks are yellow without their guns. Don't go around admiring them. Rather, do your best in fighting them and all their kind. Nice message. Probably not the best way to show that. Nice. So, close. 
Robin and Batman are going back to the boat to this really sad looking masquerade party. Yeah. <laughs> With really sad I mean, they did just all get robbed. They did all just get robbed, but still. Batman comes back and everyone's like, ooh, a really good Batman costume. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's very meta. They're like, oh, well, you win the costume contest. Here's a giant thing. There's a vessel. Here's a yeah. giant. Here's a giant vase it's, yeah, it's that they vase. refer to as like a cup. And Batman puts all their jewels and stuff back in it. And he says, I'm the real Batman. I got all your crap back. And everyone's like, yay, thank you. But someone pulls the fire alarm. And everyone's booking it to the entrance to get out of the room. And Batman notices that Denny's old woman companion has some really good legs. And that's odd. I believe the speech bubble is, it worked. There goes Miss yeah, Pig's I... nice legs for an old woman. Yeah, and I, I initially, Bruce. I initially thought it might just be like, oh, she's moving really quickly, but no, that's it's looking at the drawn way it's that drawn. She has picked up her dress to run, and Batman can very clearly see her legs and is scoping her legs out. And you're like, yeah, Bruce, there, no. There's some stuff. Bruce, no. Robin is sent to go after her um, because someone goes, stop, there's no fire. It's a false alarm. Some crazy fool must have set the alarm off as a joke. Robin sees the woman because Batman's like, get her. Robin dive bombs down the stairs <laughs> to which if that was an old woman he could have probably dislocated a lot of bones in her body or if he missed he's going down face first oh yeah well he's uh, robin he could tumble and they catch the woman they pull her wig off she's got black hair but she still looks old but apparently that's just makeup because when they take the makeup off she's really good looking and this is and looks exactly like Julie Martin. Uh, yeah, she uh, is it Martin or Madison? Julie Madison. I, I think it's Madison. Know. Lupe okay. Velas. She looks like Lupe <laughs> Velas. Um, and it's clearly Catwoman. He finds that the jewel or the necklace is in her sock. Batman's rather impressed with her. He knocks out Denny though, the uh, nephew of the old woman whose necklace it is, with the necklace, which is like, "Whoa, bro, that could break. Don't do that." And then Bat uh, Batman is just like getting macked on hardcore by Catwoman. She's like, "Wow, you're amazing. Let's run away together." And he's just like, mm. "Better, better." Not only this is not the first instance of macking. You will notice that when she was dressed up in the old woman costume, she definitely did not have the neckline open. Oh, she didn't. Oh, wow. So She's either, just like, "Here's so, my makeup." Also, I did undid a no, button. And no, like, like literally, what? Presumably, while Batman is taking off the makeup, <laughs> I don't like she to unbuttons. I was. I thought you were going to go like Batman unbuttons her. I, I, I decided, off, and I I decided like, not to go there. I, I don't like that implication. Not to go there. I, I like, like the idea that she is doing the whole seduction thing. That because... While he's while he's taking care of the makeup and focused on her face, she's just like one button, and that's it. And granted, she does not have. It, it's a fairly central button. Yeah, though. there's no cleavage. We're not seeing any mm. cleavage because I guess they had yeah. taste back then, or that was what. They were like, oh, it's already scandalous as it is. But she's she's like, come on, let's get out of here. And Batman says, sorry, your proposition tempts me, but we work on the different sides of the law. Let's go. So they get in Batman's, not Batboat, but just a boat. They're speeding back home. And Catwoman makes a jump for it. And Robin's about to go get her. But Batman gets in his way. And, like, this is a very clear instance where he's just like, I totally let her go. It's okay. She's cute. And the last panel is... Lovely girl, what eyes. Say, mustn't forget I've got a girl named Julie. Oh, well, she had lovely eyes. Maybe I'll run into her again sometime. And Robin's like, hmm. Entirely, Robin's like, you dick. <laughs> For the record, this means that she swam at least from the boat to the wharf in a full in dress. A full evening gown. Which has horrible drag because she's also got the, the open neckline. She's not doing well. And... 
Also, where are they? We don't know how far off the coast they are. She's got a... They get to a wharf, but they're not tied up alongside right now. Yeah. She might have had to do some swimming, especially to get away unobserved. Good on Catwoman for being that fit. Well done. Well done, lady. Also, there's one thing that I want to point out. So look at the coloration. This is supposed to be at night. It's a light blue sky. Mm. The characters are in full lighting. There's nothing here that says, yeah, this is actually dark. It's night. The way that they intimate that something is night, because apparently they can't shade, I don't know. Mm -hmm. The way that they establish that it's nighttime is the moon. You will notice the moon is in many different panels. And positions. Well, also that, but I never saw anything that was like very clearly, okay, this is incorrect. But if you look around, anytime it's meant to be at night, the moon is always in the panel. However, it gets better. Mm. Because it's not just the moon, like, okay, here are two different uh, night panels where the moon is very obviously there, but there's also these circular panel designs. So it's dark, just but it's only lit where you can see, so you can just see well, what's happening? Yeah, like, this is meant to be, like, hey, here's uh, almost like spotlight. But I don't think it's just that, because I went through and I counted throughout this entire issue, all four stories, how many panels had either the moon or the spotlight circle. spotlight circle. There are 73 of them in a 63-page issue. I think Bob Kane had a perfect circle fetish. <laughs> there are four entirely, different two spotlights possible. and two moons on these two pages that we are looking at right now. And another perfect circle when in Robin which is, Rob... is back flipping a dude over it. Wow, yeah, you're right. Wow. Huh, that's interesting. I wonder I wonder if there was something going on there or if that was just a style choice. But yeah, yeah I wonder if you're right that he's just got a thing for really perfect circles. I mean, my guess is realistically, like, the moon <laughs> is just they didn't know how to shade well so that you could still see details but have it look like night. So easiest way to do that, hey, there's a moon in every panel. Right. But nonetheless, well, I like the idea. <clears throat> well, in support of Bob Kane having a perfect circle fetish, we see the next story in this issue is the Joker returns, and there are tons of circles when we see the Joker has broken out of prison, still in his Joker garb. Yeah, they might have put him in... He's, uh, in or... He's in purple the entire time. Yeah. So Joker breaks out, Batman hears about it on the news, and the Joker goes on the radio and says he's going to kill the police chief, who he impersonated. And if presumably, we look at, presumably. And if we look at the police chief, he doesn't look anything like the Joker impersonated him as. Well, Which one wonders, hey... Uh... Peace and Chief of Police Chalmers. Let's take a look at whether... How many Chiefs of Police are there? I Well, now I'm wondering whether it's the same one. But regardless, Joker's going to kill this Chief of Police Chalmers. <clears throat> and he does it by saying Joker really loud into the earpiece of a telephone after Chalmers picks it up. And it blows a dart into his ear that kills him, which is super intense and awesome. Yeah. But, wow, that's well planned. Yeah. Like, Joker is doing the evil Sherlock thing. Right. Joker is now going to go after that Cleopatra Nicholas because he's not had his fill. Because apparently everyone in this town who has fancy jewelry is either dead or has had it stolen. So, Joker's got... are a little slim right Pickings now. are a little slim. So, Joker's going to go back for that necklace. And he goes to the museum, comes out of a Egyptian sarcophagi or... They say a mummy case, but I don't know any mummy case that has like a weird Cthulhu beard on it. Oh, wow. Huh. I would almost that, say that's like I mean... Greek or Persian because of the beard type. I don't know, actually. Regardless, comes out of the uh, mummy case, kills a bunch of cops, gets ready to take the necklace, gets the necklace, and Batman shows up, and they start duking it out, and it's 
again, Joker beats Batman. Specifically, we have a little bit of a differentiation between how it's portrayed. The madman reaches for an ancient mace, and he grabs an axe. Grabs a, a, two, a two-sided battle axe. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Come on, Bill Finger. To be fair, I guess they didn't have Wikipedia. Well, we're also D&D nerds. They probably are more history nerds back then. And they probably would go to museums more often than we did. I don't know. I don't know. I would just... The idea that a mace is a blunt object, so either that's Bob Kane not knowing, not getting the message, or Bill Finger writing it in inappropriately. Regardless, Mm -hmm. he's about to kill Batman with his axe. He misses because Batman rolls out of the way, but he hears more cops coming in. Joker bails, but Batman's there with all the dead cops, so the cops are about to, you know, take Batman's mask off because he's still kind of reeling from the fight, but Batman just zips up and he starts beating the cops up and bails. And... The next... Wait, oh, oh my god. It's the boobs and butt pose. It is. Batman has the uh, strong female heroine pose. Yeah, like he's doing simultaneously, he's kneeing a cop. He looks and... like he's doing the Heisman Trophy pose. Yes! Except even more twist. But sexually. Yeah. He's doing a sexy Heisman. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome, Internet. The sexy Heisman. A Seisman? The Seisman? The Seisman <laughs> Trophy. Uh... <laughs> Do what you will with that, internet. So, Batman escapes, and he's like, crap, that was close. And the next thing we see is a reformer. Edgar Martin. That's a weird title for a person to have, but I'm assuming it's a public figure who's calling for reform. Yes. Edgar Martin is saying, hey, the cops are doing a really bad job, and make, you know, the Joker is not going to be taken care of. We need to do something about this. Yeah, because the people are going to do a thing about the Joker. Like, the cops, who are already outmatched in wit and skill and, you know, in a you know resources the people are going to be able to solve this for you so edgar martin of course gets the attention of the joker and the joker's like i'm gonna kill you next because you're just being a jerk and a loud mouth <laughs> edgar martin comes to the police you gotta protect me well that was stupid why have him be a reformer at all if not just like a loud mouth politician or somebody anybody but a reformer because it puts him differently at odds with the police force to which he then goes to yeah, I mean, he may also be wanting to reform the police force. Like, it's somewhat antagonistic, but it's, I want you to be better. Correct. So Martin is, you know, under protection from the cops, and he's they're like, just go play some solitaire, or just whatever, get out of our hair, we're, we're protecting you. He's playing cards, and he cuts his hand on one of the cards, pulls up the first card, the, the first card is a joker, and then as he deals more and more, all the cards are jokers, and then he dies from the poison that happened on the paper cut, and he's dead. So Bruce is then talking with his old man gentleman friend, Brown hair. Brown hair now, Commissioner Gordon. Somebody's using his just for men. Gordon is like, man, this sucks. We're getting our, you know, we're getting our asses handed to us. And Batman's trying to like help him brainstorm. And another Bruce Wayne wearing a checkered suit and a bow tie. Can't get away from those in his civilian attire. Gordon says, hey, you know what? What if we play up the uh, famous, uh, play up a famous gem like the uh, the fire ruby? He'll have to go for it because the Joker has this thing for for jewels. We'll make a big deal out of it. We'll set it as a trap. And then we see some panels of the Joker going, ooh, the fire ruby. And then, like, lording over his jewel stash? Which is a thing we don't He's see. He's being the... a magpie. Or, like, a dragon. This is not a thing that Joker generally does, is, like, have a thing that he likes to steal. So Joker is like, all right, I'm getting ready. I'm going to... And he does his radio announcement. Says, I'm going to steal this. Leaves. And, of course, he gets to the museum. All the cops are there. And he guns down all the cops. He's surrounded. There are two cops behind him, two cops in front of him. They all have guns on him. And he pulls out dual pistols and he John Woo's out of there. Yeah, he is caught with his hand like halfway into his jacket. And before any of them can shoot him, he pulls both out. Goes from zero to double armed and four dead before any of them get a shot off. Yeah, I think, does he do the Snake Plissken thing from... 
Escape from LA where it's like do you guys want to do Bangkok rules and he throws something in the air and like when it falls they're all supposed to draw but as it's in the air they're all watching it and he just guns them down while they're watching it yeah yeah I don't know but regardless he guns them down he's like I'm out of here Robin sees him running away Robin is chasing him over rooftops he just cold cocks Robin right in the face with a, with a good solid sucker punch Robin's falling down grabs a flagpole Joker is getting out sees that he's on the flagpole he's like wow you're not dead yet is gonna try and shoot Robin Batman shows up Robin jumps off of the flagpole onto an awning bounces off of it hits the Joker so the gun is knocked out of the Joker's hand the Joker pulls a knife Batman and him are in a tussle and the Joker in the ensuing tussle stabs himself because you know it's one of those Disney things where the bat- the good guy can't kill him so he has to kill himself because that's what happens to bad guys Joker stabs himself looks at it and then has a very Joker moment where he just starts yeah. to laugh maniacally about his own death this is the first time we've seen the modern Joker. Yes, I would I would absolutely agree that he is maniacally laughing at a moment that is clearly his own safety is in danger and this is not in his best interest, but regardless, he's laughing and he still thinks that he wins. He presumably dies. Batman's like, well, that sucks. They bail. Cops arrive and a paramedic, who looks like cocaine dandy. Yeah, he really does. The paramedic goes, wow, this guy's still alive. And it's a very dun-dun-dun thing that the Joker isn't dead yet. He's going to come back because, you know, uh, Catwoman got away and Hugo Strange got away and the Joker isn't dead. So clearly those people are going to come back. Batman's actually 0 for 3 with all of his villains so far because they haven't even stayed in jail. You're right. Although this is the other thing that I noticed uh, going back to the previous issue. I don't think Batman kills anyone in the cat story. He doesn't, and he also doesn't kill anyone in this one. He's starting to not kill. That's true. Now, I mean, this one, there's only one enemy. There is only so one enemy. So I don't necessarily correct. count that. But he doesn't kill any of the monsters in... Uh, the first Joker one. No, he well, doesn't. True, but there's also still just the one guy. Right. But anytime there's been minions, he's killed and people. And in the Catwoman one, he doesn't for kill the, the mafioso. He kills a secret agent dude. He kills... Yeah, the, the Turg. Hmm. Like, you know, he pushes yeah, him into yeah, the yeah. sword, you know, things yeah, like that. Yeah. He kills, like, all these other people, but not yeah. mobsters, and not Americans, because he kills those Hungarian werewolf vampires. Well, here's the question. If, now, now we get into, like, motivation questions, or uh, intent, rather. Right. If Bob Kane and Bill Finger hadn't wanted to do the look at Robin, isn't he cool moment, would Batman have ended up killing those mafiosos? I don't know. I'm not sure. Interesting question. Interesting, interesting point. At the end of this issue, though, we have, I think, my favorite thing that I've seen so far coming at the end of a Batman comic is the Robin's Regulars. The golden rules for Robin's Regulars. And the the acronym is for readiness, uh, readiness, obedience, brotherhood, industriousness, and nationalism. You know, it shows a young man helping out an older gentleman who's like, oh, you should have some sort of reward. And he goes, no, it's okay. I don't need that. I'm part of Robin's regulars. In the background, you can see Robin, like, doing a, yeah, thumbs up to this kid. (laughs) Clearly not having helped get this old man across the street. Just doing a, good on you, kid. Yeah, it's, uh, why not become one of Robin's regulars? No button or badge needed. The world will recognize your golden acts without them. Be a Robin regular by being regular. Shit on time and you'll be a happy person. Right? Get get some fiber in you. Um, <laughs> but it's it's very interesting that we have had two instances wherein the readers are now being referenced. And again, mm-hmm. I keep saying when we get to Superman, they clearly reference the reader. Like, hey, you want to get Superman strength? Here's how you do it. You want to get Superman vision? Here's how you do it. Giving giving kids, like, workout plans or, like, be a good person things that they do in Superman, but they don't do in Batman. And I wonder if it was one of those things where, like, Batman's being read a lot more. You need to address the kids because Batman's getting very dark. I would actually argue that, and here I think we're transitioning into sort of the 
the closing statement looking at Batman where he's at right now. I I don't think Batman's getting especially dark. I think he's gotten less dark. He's gotten less but... dark, but I wonder if it's because they've asked him to be. I mean, if you look mm-hmm. at the body count of the last two episodes, that is more than Superman's entire body count for a year. Yeah. Batman but... ostensibly kills more people, even questionably kills more people, than Superman at the time. And if you're going to have a character that you want children to look up to, and you're going to denounce mobsters, and it's not going to be a soldier or a cop or a cowboy, which I'm sure cowboy characters killed a lot of unfortunately portrayed Native Americans, or banditos, as it were, mm-hmm. you got to have a character that is good. Fundamentally yeah. good, not gray. Because these children aren't adult enough to understand that there is grayness in the world, that things aren't black and white. But in a comic, they should be. Because you're trying to send a message. If he's going to beat up mobsters, he's got to be better than the mobsters. And I think part of this is that at a certain point they decided that there had to be a message. Yeah. It's entirely possible that somewhere along the lines Detective Comics was like, he's got to have a theme or something or like a, a motto or whatever. He's, he's got be to be, be better. We've got to have mm-hmm. something more to him other than this. He can't be just with everything else that's going on in the world. He needs to be above and beyond and superhuman. Yes. <laughs> I almost I would actually be really interested to look at how at a certain point actually here's an interesting question. At what point does Batman stop being viewed as a pulp comic and start being viewed as a superhero? When does the term superhero even come around? Right. Uh, cuz if you think of Batman as being as starting off as this pulp hero and then a pulp hero with a friend that's an entirely different thing from a superhero, and the rules are entirely different. I would say that the moment that Robin is introduced is the moment that Batman becomes a superhero, and in that vein has has to have different rules that he works by. I think you're right. I, I think when the second you have a child as his partner, you have to have him be a role model. That's an interesting point. I was just thinking in terms of it changes the tone well, of the book Well, it does, so much. it does change the tone but, of the book, of yeah, course. He's not, alone, right. he's not a lone crusader by himself. He's not an adult doing adult things. He has mm-hmm. a kid now that he's responsible for, much like a parent. Yeah. When you're an adult and you don't have kids, you're kind of allowed to be a little bit sillier and a little bit more fast and loose with how you live your life. But when you have a child, it's generally assumed that you're allowed to, you're supposed to be more responsible to set mm-hmm. an example for your child because your child is going to learn how to be an adult from you. Yeah. Then I would be interested to know to what degree that that was, whether that was part of the intention of introducing Robin, whether Robin was a, hey, we want something that's a little bit more kinda like wisecracky, a little bit more just kind of Or what else, what else can we do to distinguish him from other characters like the Shadow, the Phantom, and yeah. Superman? We want him to be more fun and uh, talk, uh, trash talk a little bit more. And suddenly it's like, oh, as a consequence of that, now you need to be a role model. Or if it was, we want to move towards a role model that is more fun to watch and everything that goes with it. Whether it was a two-stepper or all part of the same. A a result of a decision. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's an interesting thing to think about. And I'd be curious if that comes more and more into play as we keep going on with this. Because Mm -hmm. there are characters we're going to start looking into that are happening at the same time. Like, I think in Detective Comics number 40, the Sandman shows up. That's his first issue. And... In one of the Superman comics, or in the Superman volume that we have, one of the covers of Action Comics very clearly mentions Zatara, Zatanna's father. 
So there are other characters who are being introduced very slowly that we haven't reached that we're going to try and reach them if we can. Of course, one of the other ones that we're going to talk about is Wonder Woman, Mm -hmm. who gets her own book right off the bat. And you've got Sandman, and then you've got like the Golden Age version of Green Lantern and the Golden Age version of The Flash, Jay Garrick and Alan Scott. So there's going to be other characters, obviously, that we're going to address as we go on through this podcast. And once we get more of them to talk about and compare and contrast... It's going to be interesting to see why others work. Because there's the specter that's going to happen, and you've got all these other characters, you Dr. Fate, Dr. Midnight. We're going to try and hit them all and give you guys this really cool grounding of all these characters that are happening at a time. Like, just gonna, we're going to get Captain Marvel, hopefully, and have Shazam, and have, oh my god, this superhero is a kid. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see that, yes, Batman is successful. We, can, we know why Batman is successful. We understand it. We've seen it happen. We are in a world largely shaped by a successful Batman. It's going to be cool to start looking into heroes that weren't as successful. Because next episode, we get the Man of Steel. I'm excited. (laughs) I am so excited to talk about Jumping Superman. So that's it for pretty much year one of Batman. From 3839 to 1940, you've got a good year and then Batman's first quarterly. Yeah. So three of, three of his um, rogues gallery are already established by about a year and some change. And he's got Robin. And he's got Robin. And so. he's doing the wisecracking. And he's... Actually, I, I want to do a quick thing. So I was thinking about whether this is Batman. Hmm. And my I do think it's Batman. It's recognizably Batman, but it's not Batman in any form that we have him now. It's almost like you can kind of see simultaneously the gloom of Batman stories is kind of there throughout the throughout the setting. Uh, you've got the fog from Hugo Strange. Uh, you've also got the wisecracking. You've got all of those things sort of contained at once within the, the same murder character. mystery nature of the Joker. Yeah, issues. But you've also got Robin, and at this point, correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like they use very similar lines. They're very yeah. similar characters. They're written so, the same, almost mm-hmm. differently than Stanley would write children. And it seems like Bill Finger writes Robin as just a smaller human. So, end of the third episode. Thank you for sticking with us. We Indeed. appreciate it. We are excited to move on to another hero, Superman, Man of Steel, in our next episode. DC Detectives can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr pages. Visual aids, episode notes, and more can be found on dcdetectivespodcast.com. A large police funeral was held in town as Batman stared dreamily at a picture of Catwoman. In the streets of that sprawling metropolitan city, the Joker rumbled off to a hospital, courtesy of an EMT who actually checked for a pulse. Hugo Strange's body was never recovered from the ocean, and we were getting pretty good at guessing what that meant. This was a mess. Batman couldn't even keep his bad guys down, not even the ones he thought were dead. Was he losing his touch? Or was he becoming more like the caped crusader we know? At any rate, we decided to get away from the gloom of nighttime heroics. Maybe we should spend some time in the sun. I hear Metropolis is nice this time of year.